Check. One. So are you actually recording? <laughs> Take two. Take two. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Are you sure we're recording this time? I am not. Yeah, well, it's doing the recording thing on the screen, but it just stopped randomly before. Well, I'm going to blame you either way. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. 100% right. And it is the mechanic and the account with you this evening. Good day. And a special guest in the house for an interview tonight is Randy Molland from The Reinvestors. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, tonight we're going to talk about some real estate and, and how uh, people on their path to FI can, can get started. Yeah, my favorite topic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why you're here. Yeah. And uh, you and I are going to be drinking the Mill Street Organic Lager. The accountant has declined as he is partaking in a dry month. So congrats on that. I did pick the shortest month of the year. Best wishes. Shortest month of the year. It's nothing to do with the scotch tasting we had at the end of January. Uh, It might have a little bit to do with that. (laughs) Just a little bit. Well, to your health and cheers, Randy. (laughs) Uh, The Mill Street Original, which we did go to the Mill Street in Toronto when we were there in the summer. Yes, we did. So, it's quite tasty. Yeah, it's uh, for our out-of-province listeners. We've got an Ontario beer this week, and the it says our original organic lager is brewed using pure organic malts and hops. The aging process for this carefully crafted lager results in a beer that has a crisp and refreshing flavor with a smooth finish. Now, that place was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, it's in the distillery district. Yeah, talking's hard. I get it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, we had lunch. Did we have lunch? Didn't we have like a taco? <laughs> I think we shared fish tacos, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, I, I'm remembering that. It, is that because we were on a budget or we just weren't that hungry? <laughs> <laughs> I think we were a little hungover. I think we might have been, yeah. So uh, welcome, Randy. Uh, why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit what you guys do? Yeah, so I co-founded a company called The Reinvestors uh, with my business partner, Steve Arneson. And uh, it really stemmed from when I first started out, I was 24 years old and bought my first house. And of just like any guy, hardworking electrician trades guy, got into the industry, that old mentality of get a house as quick as you can, pay it on the mortgage, get started early. So I attempted to do that, got in. And then two weeks after I got in, after purchasing my house, my best friend passed away and he was 42 at the time. And it just kind of hit me hard. Like he just bought a house in the same neighborhood two weeks before that. So we both bought houses in the same neighborhood in the same time. And then all of a sudden he had a job site accident and um, didn't survive. As soon as that happened, I was just like, wow, like that's my future. Like I could work for the next 20 years and then all of a sudden it could just be gone tomorrow. So I was like, oh, there's got to be a better way. So I literally Googled how to make as much money as I can <laughs> without having to work. Popular search topic. That is a very popular search topic. And uh, like a lot of people I found, real estate investing was there. Uh, I owned my house, so I already had that kind of uh, mentality of wanting to get there. And I just thought, man, if I could find a way to get a few houses, I could just build that retirement so then I didn't have to work anymore. So uh, inside there, I found Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Started reading the book and just loved the concept around it of like, buy assets to pay for your liabilities. And inside the book, he talks about like his wife wanted like a Ferrari or something like that. And he said, cool, go buy enough apartment buildings that the cash flow from it could pay the lease payment or the mortgage or the finance payment on that car. And then now you've created your own source of revenue to pay for that liability. And that concept just was like light bulb moment. And I'm like, that's so freaking rad. Yeah. So then, um, so then inside doing that, I also found a real estate investing conference that was going on. And I thought, Hey, if I'm going to do this, might as well go all in and learn as much as I can, as quick as I can. So I started uh, just studying podcasts and reading books and doing everything I could real estate wise and went to this conference, uh, did a three-day conference. It's one of those ones where they give you the free seminar and then they upsell you to the three-day one. And then, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. They ups- you always get upsell. <laughs> then they upsell you to take your whole line of credit and visa and, and run the door. And, uh, just sign here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And um, I mean, fortunately, I was uh, basically just on uh, a train where I, it didn't matter what I did. I was young. I had a career. I already had my house. I was pretty set. Um, so I said, screw it. I'm going to go all in and try it. So I spent the money to sign up for the, um, for the full program. And basically in doing so, I realized like, Hey, if I spend, it was $15,000. If I spend $15,000 on learning how to buy at least one or two more houses, how long is it going to take me to pay that back? We talk a lot about like return on investment. So I'm like, how long until I get my return back? And I was like, if I can buy one house with this education, then I can actually go and duplicate this over and over and over again. And suddenly it becomes an infinite return on investment. Cause yeah, after the first house and it pays for itself, 
then what? Then it's like this knowledge that I have, I could use for the rest of my life. So even if I bought one house now and bought another one when I was 40 and another one when I was 50, it's still paid for over that time span. So signed up for the course, went all in and that's what started our uh, our company and got us to where we are now. How soon after that did you sort of quit your day job? Yeah, so we went, signed up for this conference. We went to Toronto, they fly out to Toronto and you do something there. And while we were there, we were just telling a lot of people, oh yeah, we're from Victoria on Vancouver Island. And they were like, oh, you guys are so lucky. There's so much equity there. If you could just teach people how to pull the equity out of their homes and then invest it back into like your portfolio or teach them how to invest, you guys are sitting on a gold mine. And we're like, we don't really understand what that means. <laughs> like, right. yeah. How do you mean pull the equity out of their homes and invest right. it? So as we dug into that, we started learning how to do that. So when we came back, we just went all in on learning how to teach people how to leverage the equity in their homes to invest in real estate. And we do um, joint venture partnerships. So we do all the work for people. They supply the finances for it. And then we go partners in on properties. So we came back and my business partner is a few years older than me, but I was 24 at the time. He was 26. And we just looked at each other like, who's going to take a 24 and a 26-year-old seriously? <laughs> Sitting there saying, hey, you need to refinance your home and get all the money to us. Hey, about so. that line of credit, <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we started a monthly meetup group in town. Uh, we figured that if we could get some authority in the industry and start sharing our knowledge of what we were learning, uh, we could do that. So we literally started a meetup group and we just bring in real estate agents, mortgage brokers, accountants, lawyers, all these people start training and educating them. And we'd stand at the front of the room and say, hey, Thanks so much for coming to our meetup. Here's your speaker for the night. We'd sit at the back of the room, take a bunch of notes. And then at the end of the night, we'd walk up the front of the room and say, hey, thanks so much for coming. If you have any questions, email us. Then they'd email us questions. We'd Google how the hell the answers are, <laughs> yeah. respond to them, and then we do it again. So that's kind of how we started and just slowly grew, gained, gained a good knowledge base. And the meetup group slowly started to grow and grow and grow. And um, that's what got us the authority. So I think it was like eight months, seven months after I signed up for the program, uh, we ended up closing on our first property. Mm -hmm. and um we did three properties in four months after wow. that it was oh geez probably a year after that that we went full-time into the thing okay um at a point i think we had like 17 or 18 rental units um rental doors and it just got to be too much to handle when we were looking at our day jobs working full-time and then you finish work and then you go to work on property managing maintenance <laughs> yeah, tenant side hustle yeah <laughs> you're getting phone calls at nine o'clock at night like the washing machine's broken you got to yeah. get over here now and it's like yeah i gotta work in the morning i don't want to do this yeah we often talk about how much your day job gets in the way of everything we actually want to do yeah so well i think that's an interesting part for a lot of people on the journey to fi2 because and i think maybe that's maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit about is real estate really a side hustle or is it something that you need to devote a little bit more time to it was interesting that you brought up your meetups there because that was one of the comments i wanted to make having gone to your meetup is i love when you guys said that you brought in experts because you really wanted to learn so yeah. you were just like let's just start a meetup and invite these really uh, knowledgeable people so we get to learn yeah and can share it with the other people in the room i thought that was just a really great thing to say and from my perspective as somebody who's just learning about real estate i find it's super valuable to have those experts come in and then the other people that i met in the room that night i'm definitely saying that was one of the best things that i did was just starting to network within the local community yeah, it's, it's a really cool concept. Um, we There's a, a quote that says that you're an average of the five people that you surround yourself with the most. Yeah. And that can't be more true for us. We spend a lot of time uh, surrounding ourselves with people that are smarter than us. And when we started this meetup group, it was such a great way to get in to meet some of the best people in the industry because we would say, hey, we've got, you know, we started out with, I'll say, 15 people in a room. And we're like, hey, we've got 15 people. Would you come speak? And they're like, yeah, you mean you got 15 real estate investors that want to do properties or mortgages and I can come speak to them? We're like, yeah, please. And so when we started learning and growing it, um, you know, we got the authority we wanted, but the knowledge that we needed. And then we were surrounding ourselves with people that were also in the industry. So our meetup group now, um, Steve and I still aren't the smartest people in the room. There's people in there that are way smarter than we are. Yeah. And, and um, it's cool to be at the front of the room and get their authority from it. But also really cool to know that I can go sit back in any of the roundtables that we have and sit there and learn from somebody. So yep. Steve and I will actually participate a lot in the roundtables that we do. And um, I mean, the one that you were at, we had, I think, 92 people in the room. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you got 92 people. There's some smart people in there. Yeah, yeah so. for sure. So, did, I mean, I'm catching a little off guard here with this question, but, yep. you know, our listeners are right across Canada. I'm sure there's other meetup groups in other provinces. Yep. I know um, Rain's a big one, yep. right? REIN is the Real Estate Investors Network. That's It's right across Canada, I believe, yep. right? Um, do you have any other like little local ones that, well, I mean, you can put them in the show notes afterwards, but I, for me personally, I found that going to something social like that 
and being able to be face to face with people was a great start for me to get into, into this investing. I think that's what the biggest hurdle is for a lot of the people on the path to FI is that while I'm good at saving and investing, I'm on my path, but I know nothing about real estate and I don't know anybody that does it. I don't want to just like cold call a real estate agent and say, okay, I want to get buy me a, a rental get property. Me a rental property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, so there's a lot like, like all, all throughout Alberta, there's always a ton of them. Um, and then especially out East, out East, there's a lot yeah. of investment yeah. stuff going on out there. So, um, I, I mean, we'll put some in the show notes, but there's, there's a lot of different ones out in Ontario. You can literally just Google it and there's millions yeah. of them out there. Um, the biggest thing is just vetting and making sure the people that are in there are doing good business, right? right. Um, Not Steve, just trying to sell you yeah, a yeah, product. Totally. Yeah. Steve and I take great pride that we don't um, we don't sell anything from stage. Really, uh, we share about some of the opportunities we have for people if they're interested in coming to different programs, workshops we have. Yeah, but it's um. It's purely, there's, it's not a pitch fest. There's no agents coming in to pitch their products. There's nobody coming in, even our mortgage brokers and stuff. If they have something that they want to offer to our community, Steve and I make sure we take care of that beforehand. Yep. Um, it's, it's purely based on education. That's how we set it from the beginning. Like our mission with this meetup group is just to educate as many people as we can and inspire them to invest in real estate. So, so yeah, so our meetup groups are just um, growing. And I think one of the biggest things we hear is um, somebody be like, yeah, I bought two or three properties. And then all my friends were like, what are you? doing like like you've got all this debt you're crazy like what happens if the economy crashes what happens to this what? and they panic right yeah. and then they said they come to our meetup and it's like oh my god these people get me they understand i can have yeah. conversations like this feels normal and so then they they start making friends in this group yeah and then now they're going for coffees with these people that are actually real estate investors or, or understand a little bit of financial education and they feel better about themselves and suddenly it's like oh, I bought two but now I want three now I want four so it kind of reverses it where people are normally like oh like your friends and family tell you you're crazy and you know, you shouldn't do it. But these people that are in it doing it are saying, yeah, let's get more and more and more. And that's uh, a lot of the justification around investing in myself into the education that we got. When I spent that money, my family told me, no, my friends told me, no, my, anyone I talked to was like, you're crazy. You're not going to spend that money. It's a woo woo guru program. And you're going to get taken advantage of it. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting here going, well, I have yeah, to look carefully. At totally. And, 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 uh, and I look back and say, cool, look what I've done now. Mm -hmm. right yeah, so absolutely. so it's and, and and it's because i surrounded myself with the people that were in it once i was there i i talked to a lot of people i said it's a small investment when you look at what you can create with it absolutely and i was yeah. like oh and so it's the same thing when we run our meetup group not about trying to teach people how to go build you know 50 units in the next month it's like hey what about just getting one more what about surrounding yourself with people that just make it normalized yeah and then all of a sudden it's like yeah that makes so much sense i can go do one property i can refinance my house it's not a crazy concept there's you know 50 people in this room that have refinanced their properties to invest in real estate this makes sense that's one thing I really noticed too. I sat at a table with essentially strangers. The the economist actually came with me. You were you were on, you weren't available, but and it was it blew me away how friendly and how forthcoming the other people were. The lady sitting next to me was involved in a, a thirty unit apartment development, and yeah. the, another lady at the table was fairly new, but she was ready to get into it. And yeah, it, it's like I think a lot of people in the financial independence community feel that they've kind of found some community when they meet other people that are yeah. aggressive savers and are index investors. And I kind of- Smart with their money, which is smart with their money, days. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then, and I kind of, you know, the account, you talk about real estate because you've got some doors and we're going to use doors yeah. because it's good for our listeners to start getting that in their mind is like, that's how you refer to yeah. your rentals, right? Um, but I always felt lost. So it was really nice to just sort of show up. And then I think I'm at the point now where- I can use some equity to start getting into this market. And I think a lot of our listeners are there too, but we're all f sort of pretty generally debt averse people because we want financial independence. And a lot of us want to see our mortgages paid off. Yeah. So we're not good at using other people's money. And that <laughs> an OPM is like the main topic of discussion well, when it comes to real no estate. There's no point in having debt equity. You're not getting anything <laughs> from it. If I have a million dollar house and it's paid off, Cool, I got a million dollar net worth, but is it giving me any cash flow? I died. Is it yeah. building anything for me? You know? hit on the head. So we talk a lot. We call that dead money or debt equity. Yeah. Debt equity. Um, yeah. And it and that's what really got us inspired. When someone told us that we could come to Victoria and we're sitting on this gold mine, we started realizing, you know, there's a lot of old money in Victoria. Yeah. And all these people own their houses that are worth eight hundred to a million dollars now, and they're doing nothing with it. Yeah. yeah. And and so we when we sit them down and explain this concept of like you realize like it doesn't take very much to finance out, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. It's not, you know, you're not leveraging your entire retirement. A few hundred thousand dollars, you're getting it at, you know, four to five percent. And then you're going investing in real estate where we're seeing, you know, returns somewhere. I'll just simplify like 15 to 20%. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're like, 
wow, that kind of makes sense, right? I get the net difference on that and it's not even my own money. I'm borrowing the money from the bank. So then you don't even have to put in your own money. And then when people started seeing this concept, it was just like, oh, I get it. It takes multiple sittings, multiple yes. conversations, a lot of touch points. But that's what our meetup group's for. Yeah. So when people can come in every month, get in there. Steve and I are totally open. We go for coffees with everyone, just, just sharing our ideas. Because um, my parents are a prime example. They own their house outright paid it off as quick as they could, 23 years, did everything they were supposed to, and we're sitting on it going, cool, this is our retirement now. But I'm like, but how are you building that retirement from that? You've got the equity in your home, but now you're playing the appreciation game. Like, that's your retirement. Well, and even if it's your retirement, if you want to stay in that house, yeah. it's not giving you any cash if you're just sitting on it paid off. So, you, it's fine to say that that's your retirement, but then where are you going to live? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I asked them. I was like, cool, that's your retirement. So, you want to sell this house in, I don't know, 10, 15 years when you go to retire. Then what do you do with the money? then you have to live off that amount. Let's just say it was $500,000. Yeah. Then you have to live off that $500,000 for the both of you paying rent and or whatever you're doing to pay somewhere to live. Yeah. Plus your lifestyles, plus everything. And you need to do that for 25 years, 30 years. Cool. Well, when you justify that over the amount, how are you going to do it? And the look on my parents' face was like, oh my God, and I share openly about my um, process with my parents. This has been yeah. like, my project from day one. I said, if I can convince my parents who didn't know what a line of credit was, didn't know what their credit scores were, have this mentality of no debt yep. and pay my house off as quick as I can. If I can convince them to do something with me, I can convince anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, just last year, I convinced them to actually sell their house to get the equity out. And then they bought a house to um, put some renovations into that they could clean up and um, use to, to create some more growth out of it. And then they kept out a, a set amount of money, $100,000, to start investing. Once I started investing with them, they're like, what do you mean? I just gave you some money and you give me more back. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. Like, like I don't understand this. I so is that, did that all go into real estate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It went into yeah. our portfolio. Okay. And so, and so I gave them money back and they're like, wow, this is so cool. We didn't have to do anything. Can we do it again? And like, <laughs> right? it's, like it's like getting that hit. They're like, yeah. wow, like I put money out and I get money in yeah. and I started doing that. And then they started understanding this concept. And then my dad's like wait, you're telling me that, you know, if we have a $100,000 line of credit, that I could invest that with you as well. And you're going to pay me, I'll just say 10%. And it cost me 4%. So I'm 6% net difference. He's like, so every month that I don't give you that money, I'm losing 6%. And I was like, oh, he saw it. As yeah. soon as you see that, yeah, like, once, oh, once you get it, you're losing that net 6% by not using the equity. So obviously you have to understand the risks that are involved in it and what you're yep. investing in. That's very, very crucial on it. But from the financing side of it, that's how you start using other people's money to create that financial independence of, hey, I like if I have a $100,000 line of credit, I can just roll that every single month or however long until it gets back every year to start building wealth. And now you take that money back and suddenly you start to play with house money, right? Yep. You live off the interest of that money. So if you can get to that seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000 and you're investing that into different products, I don't recommend putting that all into one, you know, of one investment. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. But even, even in stocks, even in different index funds, things like that. And you diversify and you start getting enough passive income every month that's how you can really start doing that and that's something you can achieve through real estate very quickly because the wealth grows very fast yeah it's interesting you bring that up because i mean our listeners definitely know how to invest in stocks and traditional paper assets yeah. index funds but and the general consensus is that i mean there's don't get me wrong there's a lot of real estate investors that are, are part of our listenership in the fi movement as well but i think a lot of people work really hard to get you know, like their uh, tax advantage accounts filled up. Yeah, and RRSPs and TFSAs. I, I think what happens is people get to a certain point where they're like, huh, I'm kind of got everything set up and I'm doing really well, but what about all this equity? What about real estate, honey? Do you think we should get into that? And, and, and what about RSPs? Well, you mentioned it. So many people are sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars in RSPs and they're getting 1% on it. Yeah. It's they're, they're like, that's my retirement. Well, what if you could actually use those RSPs and invest them into development projects and other things self-directed? Yeah. Now all of a sudden that money's growing on the back end. You don't even know it. Yeah. You're, you're planning on not even touching that for 20 years anyways. Why not grow it and scale it while it's there? You can put those into a little bit more safer investments into little things, but that should not be just getting you 1%. Like, no. That's exactly. where people need to understand the concept of doing that. Yeah, exactly. Good point. And we brought that up in an earlier show talking about getting into second mortgage lending yeah. with your RSP, right? It's a form of real estate investment, right? Yep. There's, and this is the thing, the more, <laughs> you know, it's always one of those things that you don't know what you don't know, right? Yep. Yep. The, the, the more you <laughs> learn, the less you know. <laughs> <laughs> and now this whole real estate rabbit hole that I'm down is like, oh, bridge loans. Oh, what's that all about? Yeah. It's like, it's just opening my eyes. So I think uh, that's, sorry, not to take yep. a big sidebar here, but for a lot of people out there that just have the mindset of like, I have to go buy one 
you know, standalone house. That's my real estate investment. There's lots of other ways to do it. And those meetups are great places to meet those people that are doing really cool, different things, whether they're development properties or bigger buildings, more doors that you're involved in or, or funds that are mutually investing. I always think it's important too to find a group of people who are doing things similar to what you want to do. Yeah. Cause it is hard when you're, I mean, I remember when I was 20 looking, I wanted to buy a house and everyone's like, well, you're 20, you can't buy a house. You're crazy. What are you going to do? And it's, it's totally possible if you actually talk to some people who know what they're doing, who have done this kind of thing before, it can just give you that confidence that, yeah, I mean, half the battle most of the time is taking the first step. So if you're around people who have taken that first step, it's going to be way easier for you to get there and actually go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah, there's a, at the conference Stephen and I were at two weekends ago, there was a 15-year-old kid that had a five-unit complex. Awesome. That's thing. awesome. His parents were helping him and, yeah. and obviously getting him through the stuff, but yeah. he managed it. It was his thing. He got on stage. He shared what he was doing, everything. It's like so cool to see. And that's just that project, what you just said. It, it Age doesn't matter. It's just about getting surrounded with the right people and the right education. You can do anything. Yeah. So what would you say to people out there that, I mean, we're in Victoria, so we're in a fairly high cost of living city and a lot of other people are in Vancouver and Toronto and other major centers in Canada. And a lot of people see that as a barrier to entry into the real estate market. Can you comment on that from deals that you've looked at in town? And I think a lot of people focus on cash flow, but there's other ways to make money in real estate. Totally. So there's a few different ways to make money and there's a few different ways to invest. So a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to buy a property because I don't want to be a landlord. Yeah. I don't want to take care of the washer and dryer. I don't want to do with tenants. I don't want to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to invest in real estate. Cool. Well, that's where you find guys like Steve and I. That's our job. That's our full-time job is taking care of these kind of things. We'll partner together and split returns and do this kind of stuff. So it's that's a way of getting in, can be completely passive into a real estate transaction. So you actually don't need to do any of the work yourself. Just find people to do the same thing. Um, there's ways you can invest in land development deals right? Um, apartment buildings that are being built or condos that are being built. You can get into pre-sales. You can do stuff like that where you're, again, zero hands-on, still getting a good return. So there's different ways to actually invest into real estate where you don't need to buy the house to actually take care of it. You don't need to take care of the tenants. From there, there's a bunch of different ways to just keep making money in real estate as well. Um, so the way we calculate returns on our properties are by the cash flow, the principal um, recapture of the mortgage yep. and the appreciation are the three main things that we do for calculating returns in that. So as we grow into the real estate world, there's three different ways that you can make money. Cash flow is one that we'll probably talk about in this conversation of when you're in a high cost of living area, the cash flow isn't normally as high as you would see in other areas. Right. So what we look for is uh, we try and find something that has a minimum of about $500 a month cash flow with very conservative numbers. That's just our baseline because we play the safe game. I'm, I'm fairly safe at that point. If interest rates rise a little bit, if I have a vacancy, if something happens, I'm secure. Now, are we finding those in Victoria? Yes. Am I working very hard to find them? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm following up and doing a lot of work. I'm doing full-time real estate investing work. As yeah. someone who's not in the game consistently, you're probably, it's going to be hard for you to find that kind of deal. Yeah. But can you go to secondary markets, right? We're investing about an hour north of here where we are and we're, doing very good there. We're seeing, you know, eight, $900 a month cash flow. Right. And yeah. it's an hour from here. Is that a bit of a drive? Yes. Is my management skills good enough that I can do, I'd say 80% of it from here and just have to go up there to do tenant turnovers and walkthroughs. And, you know, it's an hour drive. Am I willing to drive, you know, an hour once a week or once every two weeks to just go circle the property and make sure it's good and come back home to get the benefit of owning real estate? Yes. Yeah. So um, slowly moving out from the centers, like you look what happened in Toronto. It's like, it started in the Toronto center and then it's just expanded out in every different way oh, yeah. that, you know, yeah, it's a huge like, sprawl. places like Windsor are suddenly like incredible places to invest that are complete dumps of towns that are uh, <laughs> no offense Windsor no offense, no offense Windsor but it's, it's pure... I wish you said Kitchener yeah <laughs> I could have I could have sorry Ryan <laughs> I could have picked a lot of ones in that area but they're but it's like even London and stuff the, all those places are purely stimulated right now on real estate investing it's mm -hmm. a big concern that we talk about with people out there that a lot of that is stimulated um, growth in those areas because real estate investors see opportunity that Toronto is expanding forever so right. people are just buying further and further and further out right so it depends on how comfortable you are in investing further out to get there. And you can also do stuff like instead of like, if you don't care so much about return on investment, right? When you talk about like, like we do as little money into deals as we can, the less money we have in the deal, the better return on our investment is. Yep. 
a lot of people don't look at that and they just want to see how much money can I make? They don't care how much they're putting in. So could you put 25% down or 30% down into a real estate deal instead of the typical 20% to yeah. create that extra little bit of cash flow to have a little bit of security? So yeah. say we're buying a $500,000 house, 20% down is $100,000. If you had $150,000 in the bank, could you just put $150,000 down on the deal instead of $100,000 and then have that sit in there as a little bit of security with that cash flow coming in now to make it cash flow. So again, that's not that's not the way we like to teach it, but that's a way that you can be safe in investing in real estate to create the cash flow every month in a more high cost of living area. Just reduces your mortgage payment, brings everything down a little bit. So it's um it's you're leveraging against yourself, right? So your return on investment gets a little bit less. It's the cash on cash return is but, what's different. But yeah. yeah, you're you're saving yourself a little bit um, from the scarcity of not making enough cash flow every month to cover the bills. Right. You just put down a little bit more for that. So right. we're seeing some of that happen more and more in these high cost living areas where people are like, I'm okay not having a good return on investment or lower return on investment, but totally just playing the um, appreciation, paying down the mortgage, things like that. Because you still, you know, in, in a general year, just paying off your mortgage, it's usually like, a, I'll say like six to 8% return on investment. Just yeah. paying down the mortgage every yeah. year. Yeah. So it's still, if you're putting your money into stocks or there, it's still a very good thing. Then you get the chance of the appreciation, which I, I think Robinson was talking about last time on the podcast, listen to that one, where he was talking about just the growth that we're seeing in real estate every year. It grows over and over again. So we can see some growth that comes that way. Yeah. And when you start compiling that together, now you're starting to see above 10% returns. Even if you use a modest 3% appreciation, which is what we do, you're, you're starting to hit a 10% return. So are you comfortable just putting a little bit more money down um, to get that extra little bit of cash flow to cover the expenses. So that's yeah, a way that you can yeah. do it in high cost of living areas. Now, do you guys do any uh, kind of like minor, I don't want to say flip projects, but like putting in suites, things like that to kind of add a, an additional unit to up your cash flow? That's um, a, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's one of the biggest ones that we've done. So um, we find houses that we can add suites into. Yeah. Uh, we've got a very good system. We're very systemized. He's looking at my house right now, so don't give him any ideas. There's no suite downstairs. I've, I've in the been FI telling garage. I've been telling you to suite the garage for years. <laughs> it's um, we've got a very good system now. Uh, we got good contracts. When you start becoming on a regular basis, you learn things like using the same paint color everywhere, using the same appliances, using this stuff. You just build a really good system for it. So um, doing one offs is a little bit challenging. I will say that, like especially in in the high. Um, living centers like like getting trades right now is a challenge we yeah, all know that it's a huge pain the prices are overly high things like that but yeah. when you actually do a few deals or you have some connections me coming from a trades background super easy so i'll, I'll just throw some numbers like probably like 60 to eighty thousand dollars to drop a suite into a house and clean it up so we clean up the upstairs a little bit and then put the suite in it depending on how big we go with the suite and the stuff we do and so if you can budget that in your actual return on investment on that is great because in yeah. places like we are the rents in the basement are insane right yeah. two bedroom suites rent for a lot around here it's great crazy. So we go in and we clean everything up. It also makes it less headaches for us. Um, a lot of people out there um, diagnose us as slumlords. It's a very good term we get called all the time. <laughs> and um, we're actually trying to change that stigma. So we go in, we renovate stuff properly. We put soundproofing in, we double the drywall up, we do res bar, um, we try and create all separate entrances. Um, we do, you know, not high-end finishes. We're not going granite countertops, but we're putting in nice clean stuff, you know, low tier stainless appliances, things like that. So when people walk in, they feel like it's done right. Yeah. And and we've got a lot of compliments from the people that are renting from us saying, wow, we haven't seen properties like this out there. Like there's so many people that just buy these properties, milk them for all the money they're worth and let them just be, you know, rental suites. And they don't realize that by just putting in a little bit of effort, like we get our tenants gifts. Every time they move in, we just have a $50 gift basket on the countertop. And you'd be surprised what that does for the respect we get from our tenants. Oh, so, yeah. It's, it's, I every year drop off a bottle of wine to my tenants yeah. just for Christmas. Yeah. And it's amazing how appreciative they are just of that. Yeah. So, and what does it really cost you? Yeah. You know, nothing. It's, a, it's a minor investment compared to having a move out or having head headaches or anything like that. Like a good relationship with tenants pays off huge. Totally. So to answer your question, yes, we are going in and renovating, adding suites in huge yeah. value add to us. Um, we're doing that in the, in the uh, couch and where we are right now. Um, we're doing a little bit of flipping. It's hard to flip in this area because the values are so high. Yeah. Um, we're doing a lot of off market type marketing where we're finding, um, in the areas we are, uh, maybe people that are retiring or want to downsize that don't have the time or energy to clean the property up to list it. And so we'll go in and save them the realtor commissions and we'll just buy it as is, where is a lot of hoarders and stuff where they realize it's going to cost them, 
you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars just to remove everything from the house, yeah. plus ten, fifteen thousand dollars in realtor commissions. We'll just save them all those fees and we'll just buy it as is. We're just doing one of those deals right now. Yeah. And so um so that allows us to create the spread that we need to go make it happen. To but make if you're what just you want. if you're just looking on the MLS, it's gonna be very hard to find something to flip and yeah. make money, especially with the way contractors are. If you're a contractor yourself, yes, you can do that. Yeah. You can get in and make something happen. If you're going outsourcing and getting a general contractor in, a little bit harder. So it's very hard in these areas. It's I'm not sitting here saying it's easy, but what I'm saying is if you come to these meetups that we host or in anywhere you are um, and learn from people who are doing it, you find strategies like I just shared about where you can go to a town an hour away, find a property, put a suite in it, rent it out, make $500 a month and be good. It's a pretty simple process once you actually understand the areas to do it and the ways to do it properly. Yeah. So I think one of the most important things about this whole uh, real estate game here is from what I've read and what I keep learning is, is putting together a team, right? Like, don't think that you're going to go out, like you're the listener out there going, yeah, I'm going to go buy a rental property. You and your wife are going to just buy this and manage it and reno it and do everything. I mean, maybe that's an option for some people, but I keep hearing over and over again, people saying, being sure you build a team around you, right? Whether it's, you know, your mortgage brokers, your uh, real estate agents, um, you've obviously created the way, the way your brand is, is a little bit different from an individual investor point of view, but when you started off, what was the best way to start developing that team to go about making those real estate investments? Yeah, we did a lot of, um, research on how to build the right team. Um, Steve and I realized very quickly that we were young, inexperienced, and we realized that if we could have the people around us that could help us make the right decisions, we'd be in a way better situation. So we went and found out um, a real estate agent who specifically worked with real estate investors. That's important, yeah. So yeah. then so then when we started asking questions, they were like, oh yeah, this is how you calculate cash flow. This is how you calculate this. This is why it's important to know that. So that's where we started. Then we brought her in to speak. And then we said to her, like, hey, do you know any specific mortgage brokers who work with investors? She's like, yeah, you got to talk to this person. Right. So we started leveraging that network and just started going down the train of like, okay, what do we need next to buy the property? Okay, well, now we need a, a you know, insurance company and now we need a accountant and now we need this. And we just ask everyone who is specific to this industry. Because as an accountant, you must know there's so many different industries. Like, like I can't oh, have, yeah. you can't have somebody from, you know, that's doing corporate audits coming in and doing different stuff into our business, right? Like, yeah, you're not going to get a, an auditor to come do yeah, tax work. It's totally, I mean, it's the same as you're not going to get an electrician to come work on your plumbing. A hundred percent. So, so when we look at bringing in the right team, it's so crucial to make sure that these people like, like our mortgage broker, 75% of his business is done with real estate investors. Yeah. Well, when you go there and say, Hey, I need to do a creative deal or I need to refinance my house and invest in this one. He doesn't just say, Oh yeah, we can make that happen. He actually goes, cool. Do you want to do two houses? Do you want to do three? Where do you want to refinance? How much cash flow are you getting? What are you investing in? Do you know about these mortgage plus things? And he just starts going in. So he actually has like a three-year plan with people before he actually does anything. Because he says, there's so many different ways to finance this that if we look at it from three years from now, you could actually buy two properties instead of just going to a normal mortgage broker where they'd be like, cool, let's refinance your property. Oh, wait, now you can't qualify for as much for the next one because of this or that. Well, that's he, interesting, yeah. And I think that's a really important one with a lot of people just go to the banks yeah, and yeah. the bank says, oh, well, you can't do that. Yeah. There's always a way to get something done. Yeah. Totally. And I think you need to find those creative people because your average banker at CIBC, at TD, at any of the big Canadian banks, they have very strict ratios they have to run. They have very strict income requirements. And if you don't meet them, it's a no. There's no leeway. There's no nothing else. Well, And, and the, that's... Yeah. And the majority of their business isn't investment real estate. Uh, well, it's yeah. Private absolutely. real estate. Exactly. Right? And that's... Yeah. You need to find those people who are used to that and can get creative. Yeah. Like where we are, we have credit unions. Credit unions are a little bit more relaxed. So, yeah. So you can actually go to a credit union and there's offsets that you can get in real estate. So for financing. Mm. So if you... Um, a lot of places will take like 50% of the rental income. And they'll supplement that to your income to help you qualify for more. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but then if you go to a credit union, they might take 75% of that. Or there's places now that are taking up to 100%. Oh. So again, you're starting to get further and further. So now you can actually qualify for more. Whereas if you just go to your bank, they're going to say, nope, we're a strict 50%. This is it. But yeah. if, if you go to a mortgage broker and then they advise you, and this is why we love our mortgage broker, he finds the best product for you. He's so good at what he does. He doesn't, like you buying one house for him isn't going to make or break the food that's on his table. Yeah. He'll look at your stuff and say, you know what, man, you've got a good relationship with this credit union already. You're going to get a way better thing. This is how you approach them and say, this is what I want to do. Can you help me do it? 
And so even then he'll give you the advice that you need to go close that deal with your bank. So you can use your bank because if you've banked with someone for 20, 30 years, you've got, you know, a paid down mortgage with them, you've got lines of credits, you've got a good credit score with them. You can sometimes do more with your personal bank. You just have to know how to talk to them. If, yeah. you, go, if you go talk to the person at the teller and say, hey, I want to get a mortgage, <laughs> they're just going to put you in. Yeah, they don't care. But if you go in there and you talk to a, a good representative who's done a lot of financing that understands things where you're like, hey, I want to build a relationship with you where I can actually come in and take out some lines of credit and do some mortgages. I'm looking at doing two or three properties, things like that. You can build that relationship and then they they relax their lending a little bit on you because you have that relationship. Yeah. So that's why, again, finding a good mortgage broker, he doesn't just say, it's me, me, me. He says, let's find the best scenario for you. And if it works out to be me, amazing. Yeah. If not, I'm sure you'll refer me somebody because I just told you how to do it. And now you're going to go do it yourself. I don't get paid from that. Yeah. But I just want you to refer people to me and let's keep that cycle going. Yeah, that's fair. So what do you think uh, is the most important thing for somebody who's just starting out and wants to invest in real estate? Oh man, get educated for sure. Education. Yeah, it's like, education. I was going to say like, like our mission statement, our companies want to financially educate 1 million people and inspire them to invest in real estate so that they can live a more fulfilled life. The first thing was financial education. Like, my parents are a prime example. If they went into real estate, they would they would blunder. They, they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know where to buy. They would put bad tenants in it. They would um, probably not renovate it right. They would do all these mistakes. And then they go, oh, real estate's horrible. I lost money in it. Like, what do you think the difference is between someone who's made money in real estate and someone who's lost money in real estate? The difference is just education. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? That's all it is. Absolutely. And so- Same with stock market investing. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Same totally. thing. Yeah. And so um, we encourage people to always just get educated. Start with books. Start reading, like read Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Understand the concept of why you want cash flow real estate. Yeah. Very simple concept. Yeah. And then you start just going to things like real estate investment network, going to the reinvestors, going to different events in your areas, getting in front of people. Um, there's, there's obviously a bunch of different websites that just Google real estate investing, start reading blog posts, start just understanding the concepts of real estate investing, get in front of a mortgage broker, get in front of a real estate agent. Don't be afraid to look like a dummy and say, Hey, I'm just starting out. Can you point me in the right direction? Yeah. And the, yeah. the cool thing about these industries is when you start niching in them, people actually love to help. Like when people come to us and like, Hey, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I really want to do this. Can you point me in the right direction? I'm not going to be like, ah, you don't know anything. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm legit going to say, cool, here's three books. Here's two people to talk to. Here's my mortgage broker. Here's my accountant. Here's my lawyer. Go talk to them. Find out what you need and move on. It yeah. takes me two minutes and you get the information that you need to keep going. So being able to ask questions to people, get out to events, and then just that average of the five people, like really look at the people around you. If you're sitting on Friday night and everyone's, you know, taking their last few pennies to go buy a case of beer, coming back and drinking it and then talking about the weekend and forgetting about it yep. versus people that are out on Friday nights looking at properties or having conversations about stocks or sitting here on a... On a <laughs> <laughs> sitting in the FI garage yeah, drinking a beer talking about, yeah. 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 talking about investing. Talking about investing. Then you actually get more inspired to do it. I'm so inspired right now. I'm like, I want to go buy real estate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I'm going exactly. home tonight to research something. So <laughs> I, that's that's the concept of it for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think it I might be misquoting him, but I think it's a Bill Gates quote where he said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good quote. That's exactly it. And um, Steve, and I are actually taking um, our education to the next level. Like Steve and I are consistently, and this is one thing I would recommend for vetting people, who are the people that you're learning from? Where are they learning? Because you can always learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot of these guru companies or a lot of these companies out there that are selling training programs, they have some overnight success. They teach you how to do a system that worked once or twice for them. And then that's it. Yeah, they stopped iterating. They stop at go, they, getting yeah. ahead. So Steve and I are actively like, like I just bought two properties this month. So we're still actively investing in real estate. We're still actively running our meetup group. And then we're still doing trainings on the side to help teach people. So, and um, we're creating a program now. It's a mastermind where it's higher level. Again, we've got the, the beginner with all the meetup groups. And then we're moving into the higher levels. We can't find anybody that's doing this kind of training. And again, we did the same thing. Like, hey, if we did this for our meetup group and it worked, why don't we do it for the next level? So we reached out to some high level real estate investors and said, we want to put a group of exclusive people together where we can learn. Steve and I are going to be students in it but we're putting the network together and we're doing that again. Cause we realized not that we're the smartest people in our meetup group, but we're getting near the top of it. We're getting to that point where we need to start leveling up. And so we wanted to invest in something to level us up and we couldn't find out, we couldn't find what we wanted. So you made it yourself. So we made it ourselves. Good idea. And so I encourage a lot of people to think that as well. If there's something that you want to do. Yeah. If you're in there, a town that doesn't have a good group, just create it, start, make one. Yeah. yeah. Make the group and start inviting the uh, knowledge, the, the brain trust in. People are generally always willing to talk about things that they're knowledgeable about. 
Yeah, because they're interested not, in it. Yeah, they're interested in it. Yeah. It's a very hard, very rarely a hard sell. I literally messaged Randy and said, uh, we have beer and want to talk about real estate. <laughs> it's like, what time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, a huge thing that, again, I, I can't put it, I can't put it home enough. Like, like I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on my education and training and I forever will spend thousands and thousands of dollars on my education and training because the more you learn the like the less risky it gets like we pay Steve and I still actively pay for one-on-one mentoring with real estate gurus so we're not gurus by any means yeah and we still hire people to teach us and audit our stuff and make sure we're doing things right because you get so complacent at times you get so comfortable that yeah. you know just because you got one property doesn't mean you should give up doesn't mean you should stop learning i read you know a book a month i'm always learning i'm always studying so yeah. and not even that now it's like cool real estate's fun but what does the financial independence look like yeah what does that mean so now it's like now i don't want to just be in real estate i actually want to diversify so now I'm studying business, I'm studying companies, I'm studying stocks, I'm studying all this different stuff. So you don't have to be one dimensional. So your audience, I know, isn't dominantly into real estate, but could you diversify a little bit from stocks, taxes, bonds, whatever it is you're into? Yep. And then add in a component of real estate with just a small portion of money. Like you can do second mortgage lending, you can do hard money lending. You don't have to actually go buy a property. You know, we're doing renovations right now. I need $50,000 to do my renovation. Well, I'm willing to pay people to fund that renovation for yep. me on a three to six month term yep. for their money. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not looking for three, $400,000. I'm looking for fifty dollars to $100,000, yep. right? So somebody could say, hey, I've actually got some spare capital or I've got a line of credit. I'm willing to lend it to you. Yep. It's pretty easy to start yep. diversifying that way. You don't oh, have to go sure. buy the property. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's and the only way to get those yeah. opportunities is to put yourself out there and talk to people. Okay, so I'm switching gears a little bit here. Totally. Since I got you here. There's always the discussion about self-managed or property management. (laughs) 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 And I know the accountant, he self-manages. Of course. Well, but you also have a managed property in out of province, which has been a struggle without going into details. No, we Um, can call it what it is. It's a train wreck. (laughs) Well, I think you specifically said dumpster fire. It is a dumpster fire. Yes. Floating down the flooded river. Yeah. So Randy, you've got some experience with different properties. Sounds like you guys do a lot more sort of hands-on management or you are the management team. Uh, Just for our listeners, you're like, if if I'm sitting here in Northern Alberta in Edmonton, I'm buying a place, should I get property management or should I do it myself? I'm in the town. Let's just say I'm in the town. Yeah. Yeah. it depends on your comfort level. Um, obviously, there's ways to do it yourself to save that capital cost. It's usually what, 10% we're talking about? Yeah, you usually, usually want to see about 10%. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of new ones that are coming out that are usually like 4 to 5%, but then have a rent-up fee, oh, which okay. means every time there's a turnover, they just take 40% of your turnover cost. So if you have a unit that's $1,000 that's rented out, they'll take $400 from it, and then they'll only charge you, I think it's like 4 or 5% per month. Okay. okay. So it's just, there's different styles out there, so I just want people to be aware there's like, it's not just a fee always. Just a flat fee, Sometimes yeah. there's rent-up fees is what they call it, or things like that. So there's different styles to do it. Um, the biggest thing is your property manager has no incentivization to make that property operate like it's supposed to. Right. Yeah. I'm running into that problem. And that's, <laughs> that's where, um, you know, so we self-manage all of our stuff. Yeah. I'm heavily trained in it. I've learned how to work with tenants a lot. If anybody wants to become a landlord, I recommend they read how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. It is, it is, we call that our tenant Bible, just learning how to handle tenants. If tenants screaming at you saying the house is a, junk and this and that how do you go and operate with them most tenants go in there and say screw you blah 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 yeah but if someone's paying you you know that amount of money every year wouldn't you be happy if that was your client every time so when you actually start looking at tenants as clients how would you treat a client that was paying you somewhere between 12 and twenty-five thousand dollars a year consistently to live in your space yeah yeah i'd treat them pretty good yeah. i would get them a gift at christmas i'd write them a card i would answer their calls now there's a lot of stuff inside there when you're managing yourself are you comfortable doing those calls if you're not sub it out but what you do is you don't just get a property management company and not talk to them i check in every single month you want to know what's going on i give them stuff of like hey this is what i want to learn about property this is what i want to know like you have to control the property manager because they have no interest in your property whatsoever especially the bigger companies like these people are like they're managing hundreds of units yeah and if you have one unit maybe two like a house with a suite what are you to them yeah exactly nothing so that's where our JV agreements as we do them is very valuable to somebody, right? So instead of paying company 10%, you bring us in as a partner on the property. I only get paid when that property performs. So am I going to put a tenant in there that's going to stay there long-term? 
Yes. Am I going to put a tenant in there that's probably paying on the higher side of rent because then it can get a better return on investment? Yes. Am I going to do the maintenance and repairs on it so that we don't have to have reoccurring expenses come up because that comes out of my side of the return? Yes. So that's where you can partner with someone to come in and do it. So that's like a different concept that, again, not a lot of people think about, right. but, but giving up a portion of the cash flow or equity to actually have someone come in as a partner and incentivize them right. to be a property manager. That's well, then, then your it, incentives yeah. are aligned. Totally. Yeah. So totally. J, just to jump in, JV is joint venture. Joint venture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so joint venture. Yeah. yeah. So, so you have to be careful again, like there's a lot of rules around property management and yeah. how it all works. And um, again, I don't, I'm, I'm not claiming that you should do anything. I'm just a guy sharing my experiences yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure, as yeah. always. Oh yeah, we should jump in. And say, <laughs> yeah, here's yeah. our disclaimer. Yeah. This is all for entertainment purposes. <laughs> totally. And this is an opinion. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is our opinions totally. only. Got to say that every time. Yeah, yeah, we do. A lot of trouble. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so like that's, those are different ways of doing it. So you can, yeah. yes, you can hire a property manager, but don't just hire them and, and walk away. Yeah. Look, always get in touch with them every month. Know what's going on. You can do different things. Like, like I was talking to someone the other day, they just hire, they have a few doors yeah but they just hire a um single mom to do their showings for them oh, yeah and they're you know pretty moms usually have a pretty good gut instinct and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that yeah. and so they just go in and, and i don't know they get like hundred dollars for doing a rent over and so they just go in they do the showings they make the place like nice they take all the applications they write some notes and they give it to you so now you don't even go to the property and do that you just pay someone a hundred dollars to go take care of that side hustle side yeah hustle. there you go side totally hustle. yeah and so now your management skills only just become just interacting with the tenant on a monthly basis to make sure good right that's another thing do you check in with your tenants every single month i do right, right. just a simple email hey thanks for paying rent this month is yeah. there anything we can do in yeah, the property is, is everything okay it makes it so like like it's just such simple things so so if you're a lazy landlord yes you're gonna get burned you're gonna have the problems it's Absolutely. gonna happen yeah it makes yeah. sense and and if you're managing out of town I don't know what's, what's happened with your properties, but there's <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole nother show. That's there's a, a lot of a lot of horror stories out there around it. I but I don't think that should scare people off. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. There's and, and again, there's probably reason for it, and there's probably a way to justify it. Oh, for sure. And, I made some bad bets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so once you actually start learning how to um, manage people in that industry, I would say learning like the biggest thing is just learning how to manage people. Right. Can I? I can call like like I was in toronto for i don't know like, like 10 days and i was managing two properties getting renovated a property getting re-rented back out and um putting some properties under contract i did it all from a distance yeah even though it was in my hometown i was away yeah i was just managing everyone i had a list of everything that had to get done i call my contractor every day check in with them like we live in an era where it's like hey i want you to facetime me when you get to the property so i a know you're there and b we can walk through everything yeah we can and we'll look sh- around shows me around he says hey what do you want me to do in this area what do you want me to do here Cool. That's how you do it. Yeah. Like it took two minutes out of my day and I managed it from a distance. Yeah. So those are things that you can do. There's so many ways we can talk about this for, for hours, but yeah, those yeah, are, yeah. those are some tips around different ways that you can do it. Um, I, there's no better way to manage yourself or hire somebody. The best thing to do is just learn how to manage people. Yeah, and yeah. once you learn how to manage people, you can make the decisions on how much involvement you want to get. I will say too, that one thing that helps if it's your first property is managing yourself so that you learn what goes on so that when you're managing a manager, you know what to expect from them. <laughs> Very much. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. Because then you know when they're screwing up and that there's a dumpster fire. <laughs> totally. I mean, at least on that <laughs> side, I caught fire, it. Yeah. I, well, I, I caught it early, but unfortunately. And that's a big thing too. You really got to understand that. Like doing something yourself to learn it so that you can tell somebody how to do it after. Yeah. Super important. Right on. Well, we should probably start wrapping this up. And you did mention the mastermind course that you have coming up. So for any of our local listeners here in Victoria, you and Steve are putting on this course in, I believe it's, uh, well, I'm dating the show here with March, but we'll try and get this released before then. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure you'll be doing other ones in the future. Yeah, yeah. So So give us a quick little, you kind of alluded to what it is. It's a high level with, um, you know, a bit of a brain trust that you can bring in for experts. Yeah. So we were in, we were in three different things. We're in our monthly meetup every month, uh, except for the two summer months. Um, People just like to drink beer and hang out. So we just do that instead. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm sure you guys will join us. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. And then uh, we run a two-day workshop training. So it's basically just teaching people how to pull the equity out of their homes, yep. how to actually leverage it to go invest into real estate, how to feel comfortable with it, assess all the numbers, because it's scary looking at the numbers. Totally. Yeah. And then and then what to invest in, different, showing the different types of products they can invest in, things like that. So that's just a two-day workshop that we run here in Victoria. And then we actually run a high-level mastermind now, which is going to be a year-long mastermind of people who have, I'd say, five or more doors that are actually looking to level up and start going full-time and really get into that financial independent. Like, this is what I want to make my retirement. So those are the three things that we run. Um, anyone in your community that's interested in jumping in on any of those, uh, we're happy to give a 
FI Garage discount of sorts. Yeah. Uh, we can we can hook them up for sure. Um, we, again, we're we're here just to educate people. Um, we're not. It's not a. It's not our biggest thing. We're not a massive company out there trying to run guru courses and stuff like that. Uh, our mission is just to financially educate as many people as we can. And so the best way to do it is we have to charge for these courses, but we're happy to run some discounts for you guys for anyone in your community. Just want to awesome. throw, yeah, awesome. I just want to throw this in too. I was regret regretted that we were both curling on the Thursday night that you did your charity event last December, mm-hmm. and just want to plug you guys that you're big in the community for kid sport. Yeah, and uh, yeah, congrats on that. I think that's a noble cause. Yeah, uh, I'll just share one last thing around that is um, we we're part of a group called um, Thrive Make Money Matter. And it's all about learning how to make as much money as you can so that you can actually give back with it. And so many people forget about, like, we talk about financial independence. That's amazing. It makes you happy. But it's actually not the independence that makes you happy. It's what you do when you're financially independent. And so many people forget about the act of giving actually makes us so happy. And so we're a part of this group. And the guy that founded his name is Cole Hatter. His mission says, if you want to learn how to live a million-dollar lifestyle, let's say, learn how to build a business or create a lifestyle of $2 million. And then you can live off your million and give a million away. Now you can scale that down to a hundred thousand, right? If you want to live a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle, get a business that makes you $200,000 and give a hundred thousand away. And it's cool when you start incorporating that into things like real estate, where what we're doing now is we're looking at ways that we can actually use our rental properties to start supplementing uh, a consistent monthly donation to places like Kidsport Victoria. So can we take a few dollars from every door that we own? And donate that to Kids Sport Victoria. So as our portfolio grows, so does our donation to them. And we build that in as a line item into our things. So um, we're huge on giving back. We're all about building what we call for-purpose businesses, businesses that give back in some way. And one of the ways we do that is leveraging our community to run charity events. So we just donated, I think it was like $12,000 to Kids Sport Victoria uh, through one event, which is an amazing feeling. And going forward from here... All of our buildings that we buy now, all the rental doors that we have, uh, we'll be donating from every single door that we purchase to a charity or organization of choice, which will be scaling and growing all the way through into 2020, where we've got a big group of people that are looking to do the same thing. So uh, our mission is to get across Canada, talking to landlords, telling them that if they're interested in jumping in on this program, uh, we're going to be building it out that if imagine in a world where we get I'll say 10,000 doors, 10,000 landlords that are donating something simple like $10 a door per month. Um, You can make a massive, massive impact with that. Absolutely. And and especially people that are building financial freedom, could you sacrifice $10 a month from your rental door uh, or a few doors um, to support a bigger cause? That's something cool to me. And I think that's what everyone should be striving for is get financially for yourself, but then don't stop. Keep going so that you can actually make a bigger impact in the world. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's awesome. That's a great program. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Count, you're the real estate dude. Anything left here? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this all night. I, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> like my beer's empty, and you don't have that problem. So. Right. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, once again, it is thereinvestors.ca, and uh, thanks, Randy, for coming by. Yeah, thanks. And if any of your listeners want to reach out uh, on Facebook, it's at Randy Molland or at the Reinvestors. And happy to chat with anyone. Send me a message, and I can put them in touch with people in their area or source them out to things they need. Just happy to educate as much as many people as we can. Yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. And Great. I think we covered up where they can find you and all the yep. rest of it. So. Yeah pleasure having you in the fi garage and uh, i think we'll probably have to do another show there's going to be questions and totally it's an interesting topic so appreciate it happy to come on anytime thanks so much guys appreciate it thanks